Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Gospel Rant Podcast. I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard with Gospel App Ministries. And thanks for listening to the Gospel Rant, where in a landmark series, God's love for the unlovable, not because it's some theological exercise, but because doesn't it seem like Christians are more lonely and dissatisfied with their experience of Jesus' love, their walk with Christ? Jesus said that they will know you're Christian by your love, but what are non-Christians seeing? I mean, Jesus isn't talking about friendly churches or theologically accurate churches as much as experiencing his love. The love he's speaking about changes people, changes relationships, changes identities. They become more secure. They feel more lovable, loved, lovely, able to love back a little bit more, uh, be patient with others, dialogue more. It's a God-sourced, miraculous love. So here's the question. What happens when God's love bumps into religious moralists, good men and women who, you know, are committed to God, but they don't feel it. They're not experiencing the love of God until Jesus. All right, let's get started. We'll pick this up after a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome to God's Love for the Unlovable. Check it out. I'm reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 13 and following. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. And by the way, that could be translated, hold them. Right? Cool. Think about that. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, which means angry at an obvious wrong. Like every, Certainly everybody could see that the disciples were wrong here. And he says to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. And the Greek is kaluo. Uh, For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We're going to talk about that. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, underline that, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and Bless them. Got that scene? Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. So check out the positive, relational, and positional actions related to Jesus. Bringing to, touching, coming to, belonging, entering in, taking into arms, putting hands on, blessing. These are Jesus verbs. There are also anti-Jesus verbs in this passage. Hinder, rebuke, not receiving. I mean, you get the idea, right? So I'm picturing a highly motivated, righteously angry Jesus, <laughs> but now on the ground, really playing with all the kids. 
I mean, how dare people keep children from that embrace? It's such a beautiful thing. And it turns out he's really good with kids and, and childlike adults, too. They love him and he loves them and they seem to get it. Good place to be if you're a child in his arms. See, I don't know about you, but I'm just loving this picture. But it was time to go. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus said. No one is good except God alone. All right, so those two stories are juxtaposed, right? They're shoved against each other by Mark. Mark does that a lot to make points, interesting points, which are often overlooked by readers, but not now. Uh, they are put together for a reason to compare or contrast something. So a rich man, by the way, we don't know if he's young or a ruler. He's just a wealthy man. Uh, All of that's grown up in church history. We can't be sure. But I see a desperateness in the man's actions, the the verbs that are chosen. He runs to Jesus. He falls to his knees. And honestly, it's kind of over-the-top treatment, When he addresses Jesus as a good teacher, culturally, that's just not done much. Only God is good. Uh, So it's either false humility, you know, over the top, trying to impress, or this guy has some serious, urgent issues. He needs to get processed. Uh, He's pursuing a teacher. So I'm going to give the man a pass. I think he's troubled. I think he wants relief. I think he has a serious issue, the answer to which is critical for him, uh, and me as well, too. So let's chat about what he meant about eternal life. I'm going to suggest that we see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and eternal life similar in similar contexts as meaning really the same thing. They are all cultural circumlocutions. Yeah, there's a big word. You can toss that out at parties. It's, it's about words, a lot of words where only a few words would do. So these three circumlocutions, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, eternal life all represent the same thing. They're speaking about God without saying the name of God uh, irreverently, right? In those days, the Jews were hesitant to say the name of God. So what was the rich man trying to ask Jesus? Look, the Jews didn't have a notion of heaven that we have today for them. It, It was all about this present experience of God's favor. Are God and I good? Is his face smiling at me when I look up? Is he pleased with me? Am I feeling it? Am I his beloved child in good standing? And know it. The rich man was pretty good with circumlocutions. He had worked very, very hard to be good with God so that God would be really pleased with him. And right, that sounds familiar. Sounds like my MO. But no matter what or how much he did, he just wasn't sure where he stood with God. And again, I struggle with that too, often. And I know God's good with me, but experiencing it, I want more. So the man had obvious signs of blessings of God's love, right? He was wealthy. Uh, you know, According to implicit religious good formula, you do the law, God blesses you. But you know what? What was important to him, this relationship with God where he felt it, that was missing. Yeah. Some of you know exactly what he was thinking. The rich man wanted to know if God loved him. He didn't know. He clearly wasn't feeling the love of God and likely was afraid that something was wrong. He hadn't done enough. Back to moralist. And so the urgency. 
It's a very Jewish thing. Do you know, uh, we asked the question, what made a Jew a Jew? And the typical answer is circumcision. But no, it's not your birth. It's not Jerusalem, not the temple, not the law even. It's God dwelling among them, identifying with them and them with him. And most importantly, his felt favor over them. So he chose them. He adopted them. He coveted with them. He also loved them. But they didn't always feel it, just like us today. So, you see what Mark is doing. The children felt loved by Jesus, by God, right? The rich, religious, good man, moralist, didn't. You see the juxtaposition? The children seem to enter into God's arms seamlessly. But why is it so hard for the religious adult? And I'm not talking about an evil man. It's a problem for the good ones. Well, anyway, this is probably a good place to take a break for our sponsors. We'll be right back. So to his credit, the rich man desperately wanted to to know that God loved him. And that makes him heroic in my book. That's what he had worked so hard to earn. The good formula. Do these things and it will go well with you in the land. Don't do these things and it will be bad for you. All that formula wasn't working for him. He wanted so much more. Mark 10, 21. Jesus looked at him. And the Greek is emblepo. It's... It's a particularly intense, intentional, open-eyed gaze. So I imagine that he, Jesus, looked directly into the man's eyes, locked in, so that the man could look directly back into his, maybe for an awkward couple of seconds. You know, I imagine this as how a woman, a mother, looks into her infant's eyes during attunement. And the Bible says, and Jesus loved him. (laughs) Yeah, this is... We forget this little chunk passage. God, Jesus, agaped him. Surely the man saw that in the unobstructed gaze of Jesus, right? And this is exactly what he wanted to see, to feel, to experience. What can I do to experience God's favor and love? Easy. Man, look up into Jesus' eyes. He's right there. But he couldn't. And Jesus sees him. Jesus sees the man as he is, this man who couldn't look into God's eyes, not as he should be and still loves him. That is such great news. Not because he's good either. And what happens next is brilliant. First, he brings up all uh, all of that all-important formula, you know, the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Uh, This is not in the original Commandments in the Old Testament, literally, this has to do with withholding something that is rightly due someone else, related to do not covet, but it's different. Uh, and he also mentioned honor your father and mother. And the man says, teacher, all those things I've kept since I was a boy. Well, here's the contrast. Remember the first part of the story? The children seem to just freely enter into the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God, eternal life, meaning they walked straight into the arms of the Holy of Holies, the Holy of Holies curtain pulled away by Jesus, and they went in. They looked into his eyes, and they knew a kind of love and adoration that was inexplicable. Uh, Think adolescent attunement. The children just simply played in Jesus' arms, and Mark does note that he took them in his arms. They're described as receiving the kingdom of God. So 
What did they do? Did they do anything that was particularly noteworthy or rewardable? Not that we know. They just climbed into Jesus' arms as they were, their hands sticky with peanut butter and jelly, and without questioning it, without doubting it, without overthinking it. Formula people like me and the rich man, man, we got a real hard time doing that. I'm just saying, the children allowed embrace. I struggle with that. They played on the ground with God. <laughs> what? How does that fit your view of God? See, I wonder if the man actually saw Jesus playing with the children, and maybe that triggered something. Maybe he was jealous. I suspect he might say something like, you know, I was once a child, but now I've matured to be a person of the good formula. And it's not working. I'm afraid God is disappointed in me, won't play with me, and I don't know why. So in a tragic contrast to the children, the formula man, well-meaning, Good guy, godly, Toraic, one of the really, really, really good guys comes up to Jesus so emotionally insecure about his relationship with God, and he's got nowhere to go. Familiar? Man, I hope so. I know I'm talking to somebody out there. It's me too. And then Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus saw him as he was, the struggles. Wow. So Jesus' response to what he saw in the ruler's soul wasn't to give him new directions. I'm going to talk about that. Or to criticize him or chastise him. No, this new king has come to the throne of a new kingdom that innately loves formula failures. We call them sinners. (laughs) Jesus, it's in his core DNA. He loves formula failures. Well, the Greek could imply that Jesus showed his love when it says he loved him. He could have touched the man on his shoulders or kissed him on the cheek. The point is that Jesus himself was observably moved and openly loved this man. We know when that happens, right? Everybody could see it, maybe just like he did with the kids. So I imagine it this way. In some way, Jesus got on the ground to play catch with this guy, just like he had with the children, but the good formula man just couldn't, wouldn't enter in. No judgment. I get it. Me too. What's wrong with us? So what a scene. Heaven comes to earth Loving, struggling, formula-failing humanity, the door of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, God's like, wide open. This is exactly what the man wanted, and yet there was a tragic misconnection of some sort. The man didn't, couldn't respond like the children did. So one thing you lack, Jesus says, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. The Greek word here is interesting. It's stagnatso. It's a looking down at the ground, away from Jesus' loving, penetrating, and knowing gaze. So not only was it that he couldn't look into Jesus' gaze, he looked away. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, hang with me. Remember I said that Jesus was ticked? Indignant that the disciples were coluoing the children, meaning keeping them from entering Jesus' arms. They were being obstructionist and keeping real people from experiencing the love of God. Well, something else was coluoing this man from receiving that love, too. It was something inside of him. Uh, It's riches, right? Well, that's what everyone says, and I'm going to disagree a little bit. It's related to riches, but it's not limited to riches. And first... 
He wasn't lacking cash, right? Um, so what was it? I'm going to suggest that he was an addict and addicted to the good formula. Uh, now, don't misunderstand me. The formula is biblical and it is good. It's true. It's just that humanity is wildly adept at making good things like the formula idols. and matter of fact, harmful idols. So I'm suggesting that it was the biblical formula misappropriated and misused that colluoed the man, prevented the man from experiencing being loved by Jesus, just as much as the disciples were colluoing the children from experiencing Jesus' love. All right, heavy stuff, I know. Let me put it in another way. You're never going to feel this love of Jesus for the unlovable through keeping the formula more. It's the path to only guilt, shame, feeling like an orphan, fears, doubts, failure, and feeling as a result celestial loneliness. Shame, right? Is this beginning to make sense a little? It's the path to insecurity, not the path to the arms of God. The good formula is wildly addictive. It's like crack cocaine. Do this perfectly and God's going to love you. So if you don't feel the love of God today, your brain's going to go, you failed, right? But remember, the children felt the love of God. They didn't do a thing. So back to the one thing missing. It's not just about money or the love of money. Being a formula man, this guy would have regularly and graciously given to the poor. It was specified by the Jewish writings. In fact, the Jewish writings had to put limits on giving to the poor because people like this guy might give everything away just to feel God's like for them. It sounds like addiction, right? The young man would have very likely given away everything the writings allowed, up to the very penny. <laughs> and still, he didn't feel that God was pleased with him. I don't think money's the problem, right? Hoarding was not his problem. I think his problem was that he couldn't experience the love of God. Even when God's love incarnate was standing right in front of him, basically saying, I love you. You see the tragedy here? It's almost Shakespearean. The point is, doing something more, you and me, it's not going to gain this young man anything, or me or you. So what was the one thing he lacked? Drum roll. The man lacked the ability to receive such a love like a child. That's what he lacked in a word, faith. Boom. The miraculous, present, God-sourced assurance that I am loved right now, not just a cognitive brain agreement that God contractually loves people like me because of Jesus, but the feeling, the holistic embrace that the children had as they played on the ground with Jesus. Just imagine misappropriation and misuse of the good formula had inherently robbed him of freedom. The innocence, the childlike spirit that can be loved, that can receive love, that can love back. It replaced it with fears and doubts and paranoia, religion, good work, shame, loneliness, guilt. So if it's in your brain that love must be earned, you will always fear failure. In that horrible arrangement, love must be earned and must be earned always. Well, good luck with that. How's that gone for you? The children, free from that formula, could run up to Jesus and play freely. Now, hey, if somebody really wants to hang out with me, I'm not going to question it or doubt it or, or let any of my shame hinder it. I'm just going to go for it. Jesus is holding his arms out going, let's play for you, for me. 
the biblical formula in the rich man's brain and heart had defrauded him. You remember Jesus' addition to the Ten Commandments, defrauding? Defrauded him of the ability and freedom to receive love offered to him by God himself. He was enslaved by, he was addicted to the misappropriation of the good formula. Or more to the point, his driving need to succeed and not fail every day, every minute of every day. So on the one side, he can't be loved until he feels that he has earned it. I have observed in 35 years of ministry that churches are filled with these types of people. Good men, good women, they take the Bible seriously, they give to the poor, they worship, they try to live by the golden rule, and yet they feel insecure related to God and God's favor. They know God loves them contractually, it's the gospel, but they haven't really felt it for a while and don't know why. So where do they go to ask the question? I mean, who wants to really admit that God's disappointed in them, that he's turned his smiling face away or doesn't think about them at all? I know one woman who was struggling for a time with relationships and wondering about God and her faith. She went to church. She was a little late. Everyone was standing with arms raised, praising victorious Jesus in worship. She looked around and came to the sad conclusion that she wasn't feeling that. And then she looked at all of these other people and realized she didn't belong here because everybody else seemed to feel loved by Jesus, not her. So the odd duck out, she left. She left her church. And yet Jesus loves her, but she wasn't in that space to experience it. She wasn't enough. Look, I'm telling you, she's not alone. If you're in that place, welcome to God's love for the unlovable. It's not all your fault. Hey, if you benefited from this podcast, give me a comment wherever you listen to podcasts and officially follow the program. So helpful. I want to thank you ahead of time. I have a new book soon to be published about long overlooked and underappreciated women in the Old Testament. We're calling it Dance Daughters of the Most High. And if you're enjoying this series, particularly if you're a woman, uh, but not exclusively, you are going to love this book. These are little known stories of great female giants in the Old Testament, mothers of our faith. You'll be encouraged. If you want to know when it gets published, drop me a line, bill at gospel-app.com. And also let me know what you think about this particular show. I'd appreciate that. In the next show, we will see another case of God's love reaching out and touching another desperate, unloved, and unlovable individual. You know what? There's no other religion that even claims to do this, no other deity, and God does it by nature. All of us are unlovable, unloved, and unlovely on any given day if we were just a little bit honest. We'll see you next time. Take heart, child of God. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.